Amen, amen, amen. Well, we're in our stewardship series. If you've been with us for a while, we're back in our stewardship series. And, and remember um, how we've been going through stewardship. We, we, we put off, again, talking about giving for quite some time. Uh, we spent most of the stewardship series talking about uh, the God who is the owner, spheres of stewardship. We, we talked about a whole bunch of things as it related to stewardship. And over the last few weeks, um, we have been diving into uh, the principle of giving. Giving many times is made the center of stewardship. Um, but, but biblically, stewardship is much more broad than how much you give. One of the things, however, that we've done that we, 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 we didn't do well as a church is we're three years old, going on four years old, and we didn't do a good job. We, we went to the other extreme. We didn't talk about giving um, to the point where um, it wasn't nurturing. And so if we're going to be a people that's going to preach the full counsel of God, if we're going to be comprehensive Christians, if we're going to be all that God wants us to do, if we're going to walk in the goal that God, us, God called us to based on Romans 8, 29, where he calls us to, he, he predestined us before the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Therefore, every area of our lives based on Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, must be brought under the rule of Jesus Christ. And, and, and because of that, we must view everything in our lives as open season for God to get honor out of it. Therefore, we talk about giving as an aspect of our Christian life, which is a sphere of, of what God has called us to steward or to manage or to caretake of that he's going to hold us accountable of at the beam of seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Jesus Christ is going to call all of us forward, and he is going to ask us to give an account for every single area of our life. For Christians, the beam of seat is not for whether or not you spend eternity with God. It's about rewards, not whether or not you spend eternity with God. But if you're not a Christian and you see a big white throne in front of you, be very scared. Be very, 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 very scared. And you see like myriad, like trillions of uh, zambillions of people. You know, I don't even know that as a number, but a lot of people hanging with standing beside behind Jesus. Be very, very scared because you're in a bad situation. And, and, and that means you need to trust him by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, so that your judgment won't be about eternity, but about rewards. Amen, somebody. And so today we're going to talk about giving, number three. We're going to talk about this. God is kind of stretching this out, so I'm so sorry, but I'm really not sorry about it. We're going to talk about giving again next week because I think that it's such a pertinent part of, of the Christian life. And as an inner city church, we don't want to merely be receivers, but we want to be what? Yes. We don't want to be people, ah, praise God for the people that sent something. We want to be those who give. So last time we talked about tithing and whether or not that was biblical, we went and talked about you're not cursed with the curse because Christ took on the curse to become our cure. However, we're going to talk about the consequences of not giving today and the consequences of giving and rightly giving or wrongly giving. But we did talk about the fact that there's not going to be a curse over you. Christ died on the cross and the Bible says, Cursed is the man that hangs on a tree. Jesus Christ took on that curse that you and I deserve. Somebody ought to hear me. You should see if you knew the curse that was after you, then you would be shouting right now. But I'm glad that Jesus Christ, they hung him high and they hung him wide. Oh, Lord. Help me, Holy Spirit. And God placed on him the curse that was due to us. Somebody ought to hear me today. 
and the curse that was supposed to come for us. Aha, God put on Jesus. Somebody ought to hear me. So now we get to walk in newness of life, big family, and get to enjoy the beauty of giving freely because the gospel motivates us, not curses. We should be motivated by Christ. So today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to spend a couple of weeks here. I know we're going to eventually go through Corinthians line by line, verse upon verse, uh, precept upon precept. But here today we're going to go through these verses. We're only going to really get through three. At the first gathering, I really only got through one, really, and I kind of scaled over the rest of it. Um, um, the second gathering, y'all got to pray for me because I'm trying to break the sermon down to 30 minutes from now on. Okay. So even at this gathering, <laughs> y'all know I'm just joking. Amen. Y'all know that. That's probably not going to happen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Verse six of chapter nine, second Corinthians. One of my professors says sermonettes make Christianettes. Amen. Y'all going to get that on the way home. Verse 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 um, <laughs> says, the point, th the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he or she has made up in his or her mind. Not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. We'll work on the rest of this next week. We're going we're gonna to focus in these verses. Um, 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 the background of this is interesting because Paul is writing his second installment to the Corinthian church. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 through 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that this church was extremely spiritually gifted, but extremely spiritually immature. Therefore, Paul was writing to them to call them up in Christianity and to call them out. And so he writes a second installment to them to now help them to begin to apply the nutrition of the Christian faith to every single area of life, but particular areas that are systemic to their spiritual growth and systemic to God's work among his people. So, so one of the linchpin chapters in 2 Corinthians is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul compares covenants. He compares to them what the glory of the old covenant looks like. Then he talks about the fact because of Christ's death, Jesus has inaugurated a new covenant. Therefore, in verse 18 of chapter 3, the Bible says that God wants us to go from one level of glory to another level of glory. That doesn't mean we get elevated further and further and close to heaven physically, but what it means is that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's goal is as we grow in the process of sanctification from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity, our souls are made more, look, more to look like Jesus Christ and make more room for us to show off the glory of Christ. Where? So the glory of Christ, the passion of God is his glory 
That's his goal. His glory is his goal. And in in, in the lives of his people, he wants us to look like Jesus and graduate, matriculate to more and more levels of glory in our showing him off in our lives. Paul says in uh, Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 11 through 14, I can't remember which verse, but it says, may I attain to that to which was attained for me by Christ. In other words, he, I like the way he says, I press towards the mark of the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I, I, want, I want to grow spiritually, Paul says. He says, I'm, he says, not that I've gotten there yet, but I strain. Uh, it's, it's, it's as if it's as if Paul is 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 on um on, on third base and he's ready to go home on third on fourth base and 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 the, and the ball is about to be snapped and he throws and he slides in in other words strains in to come into home base he says that's the way he said I I, I want to grow in Christ I want I, I I want my life to be not marked by stagnance but development. I, I, I want to grow. I want to be like him and everything in my life. I bring under the umbrella of the glory of Christ so that I may be found in him and not myself. So when we come to Second Corinthians. Paul has already bigged up in Second Corinthians chapter eight. He's bigged up the Macedonians who was one of the poorest churches in the province and they gave. And so Paul is now like, all right, it's time for you all to give to the relief of the Christians in Jerusalem. So what we're going to run into in this section is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Even though it's a very, very specific situation that he's talking about giving in, very, very specific situation. Um, This is not a missionary offering. It is a relief offering. However, in the midst of this offering that he's asking for among not just the Corinthian church, but all of the churches... Um, um, he gives generalized principles of giving. In other words, no matter what type of giving you do or you believe in, um, th- this giving should be marked by these particular principles. So today, I got one point. We're just going to go through one point. You can write down one. But at the end, I'm going to give a few applicational points. But uh, what's going to mark our time is this one point that we've extracted from this text. When it comes to giving, giving must be driven by a passion for kingdom impact. Giving must be driven by a passion, listen, for kingdom impact. Say kingdom impact. Kingdom, God's kingdom, the kingdom is God's comprehensive rule over all creation. Okay? God's comprehensive rule over all creation. In other words, everything, whether seen and unseen, whether known or unknown to itself, it's under the rule of God. The, king, the church is not the kingdom of God. It's a sector of it. Everything, government, creation, water, fish, you know, everything's under the rule of God and rule and reign of God, even if it's unredeemed. Okay? But the church is supposed to be the light to all creation. It's the special aspect of the kingdom that's supposed to show the light of the glory of God in Jesus Christ to every part of unredeemed kingdom as Jesus Christ in the mind of God is God the Father is not satisfied until all of Jesus' enemies are under his feet. So the church, through the gospel, through the Holy Ghost, and through rightful division of the word, impact all sectors of the kingdom, although it's only a piece of the kingdom. 
So we come here and now we're talking about that aspect of kingdom that talks about giving, giving, finances, that aspect of our Christian life that's been off limits. Now, I mean, you know, that, that part of our life that is really the final frontier for a Christian. You know, because I, I know when y'all heard verse 6 read, I know what you heard in your mind. You heard a guy, I'm speaking to that person right there in the camera. Look at me. Come to your camera. Come to your TV. The man of God is going to send to you right now a sweat cloth. The anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage, I will be sending it to you. I will, every time I sweat, I'm going to wipe. And if you sow a seed right now of $100, ah, I see a person right there right now that you want to give 5000 Some may be able to do 10000 Maybe on the 15th, you're going to give half of your check. Maybe you'll give all of your check. But if you give to the man of God today, you'll get the yoke-breaking handkerchief that's been used. There are testimonies online of multiple people in different countries where anointing has been breaking yokes globally. Hurry up for my sweat runs out. <laughs> and so when y'all hear about giving, that, that bamboozle, hoodwinking, suicide door stepping out of Joker Ministries mindset of a fool, false teaching, false prophet Joker comes to your mind. And when anybody talks about giving, you shut your whole system shuts down. Because all you're thinking about is that cat that's out for the loop. But we're going to talk about kingdom giving, not preacher giving. Oh, you better hear me this morning. We're going to talk about kingdom giving, not preacher giving. So here in this passage, he does something powerful. Paul says, this, this is the end of what I want to say. I'm bringing, he says in 1 through 5, he says, I'm bringing some Macedonians with me. They're, some, they're real poor. They're very, very poor. But they wanted to give and participate in the offering. Y'all got a lot of loot in Corinth. Y'all got, got some cheddar. So we're going we to come through. When they come, they're going to be looking because we've been bragging on how God has been developing y'all. But if I don't want to look funny if the poor cat comes through who's given out of his nothingness and you come through and can't give out of your surplus. So let me give you a general principle for motivating you to give to the living God to sow into the kingdom of God. Verse 6. He said, the point is this. He said, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Let's, 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 let's spend some time on that. I, I, want, I want to talk about this idea of sowing and reaping. The idea of sowing and reaping is a biblical principle. It's a biblical principle. So I don't want us to, I want, today because I want us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Because what happens is, is when, when, when jackleg jokers get a hold of God's words, it creates curse words in the mind of God's people. So therefore, God has to reorient us because the language is still biblical language. So sparingly, so bountifully. Uh, sowing and reaping are agricultural illustrations used throughout the Bible to give clarity and illustrate the deep, yet practical spiritual principles of reciprocity in God's eternal economy. Let me say that again. Sowing and reaping are agricultural illustrations used throughout the Bible to give clarity 
and to illustrate the deep yet practical spiritual principles of reciprocity in God's eternal economy. Now, before we dive into sowing and reaping, we, we got to pull down a stronghold. And one of those strongholds, I believe that most Christians are functional karmatists. In other words, average Christian really believes in karma. If you say stuff like, what goes around comes around, you believe in karma. If you say stuff like, what goes up must come down, would you, if what you did, you got three, four, one finger, two fingers pointed at me, but three pointing back at you, karma. Y'all remember all those little things that we used to say when we were kids playing hide and go seek, you know? All of us have a, a, a philosophy of karma. And let's talk about the challenge of karma. Karma which I'm not preaching on karma, but I'm talking about how we function based on a general principle of the Hindu, Hindu Buddhistic philosophy of karma. It is the doctrine that some interpersonal process out there by itself or force in the universe guarantees like computer-like like efficiency that every person will get exactly what he deserves in another life. So somebody says, I'm not going to do this because I may come back a flower and get cut for Mother's Day. then I'll die and then come back worse, like dirt or a fire hydrant. I don't know. And dogs just, just for a while until fire hydrant. It'd probably be, if that was true, it'd be bad to be a fire hydrant because it ain't like it's organic matter, right? It's just going to be there for a while. <laughs> come back, come back. But, but what's interesting is most of us function that way because we don't understand God's system. And we think the system exists out there on its own, out in, out in spiritual space somewhere that causes stuff to happen without an active cause in and of itself. Well, I believe the Bible teaches something different, which we're going to talk about that in a second. But karma is not a person, number one. Karma is a mere response to man. Karma's motivation is for reaping in and of itself. Karma is moralistic. In other words, you can do good on your own. Because of your capacity for good, everyone's not totally depraved. Y'all gonna see what it's got to do with giving. If everyone's not totally depraved, then we have capacity for good without Jesus. So if you believe you have capacity for good without Jesus, you're not operating in the sphere of the Christian faith. Karma teaches do good to get. The gospel, on the other hand, teaches us to do good because God first did good. He is good first. And second, he did good toward us through Christ. Therefore, because God is good and he's been good to us, he imputes us with his goodness, therefore empowering us to do good because he's good and did good to us first. That's the difference. So now when we talk about gospel-centered stewardship, we do not to get, we do because we have gotten. Okay, so, 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 so now let's look at this sowing thing. Sowing in the Bible is the act of using what God has provided by investing it into someone, something, or someplace. Let, let's say that again. You need to memorize that and get that in your spirit. Sowing in the Bible is the act of using what God has provided 
by investing it into someone, something, or someplace. Now, I'm only talking about three seeds or three things that are so. When I say seed, don't get scared, okay? Again, seed is a biblical concept. So tear down that stronghold. Bring it to obedience to Jesus. So three things. First, the Bible teaches that the word of God is sowable material. The word of God is sowable material. In Matthew chapter 13, don't turn there, verses 1 through 23, it talks about the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about the sower scattering seed when he interprets it for his disciples. He tells them that the seed is the what? Word of God. It's the truth of the gospel. So the central word of God, even though the Bible is massive, is the gospel. That's the most, that's the most, that's the most, uh, that's the, that's the most beastie seed that exists. Okay. But then there's also fruit investment. I wish I had time to talk about this, but, but, but our sermon is not on this particular one. But, but the Bible in Galatians chapter six, verses six through 10 says something powerful. He said, in my translation, I would translate it like this. God is not a punk. But the translator just says like this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man, I like the King James on this one, soweth. I like that. That that pumps it up a little bit. That will he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you will reap eternal life. So therefore, in chapter 5, i got to explain this so you can understand. Y'all still with me? So in chapter 5, around verses 19 to the end of the chapter, it talks about two types of fruit. It talks about fleshly fruit and spiritual fruit. Both of those are the content and pervades everything that we do. So whether you're giving, whether you're thinking, whether you're eating, whether you're kissing, whether you're hugging, whether you're running, whether you're driving, whether you're shooting, whether you're working, Everything a Christian does souls. Everything. Every single thing a Christian does souls. If you talk crazy to somebody, you're sowing. If you smack your wife, you're sowing. Come on, somebody. If, if, you, if you curse somebody out, guess what's coming back on you? Crackadosi is coming back. Everything, but, 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 this, but this is very important. I need to talk about the superintendent of that process. And, 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 so, and so there's fruit investment, and we're going to see that in relation to giving. Because giving is something that can be done by sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit. Most giving that cats talk about on TV is fleshly sowing. If you're sowing because you want a Lexus, you're sowing to the flesh. See, that's low self. And we're going to talk about high self reaping. But if you're trying to reap for what only you could benefit from, that's sowing to the flesh. Sowing to the spirit is massive because it's a, they will reap what eternal life, meaning not you earn eternal life through giving. That's from the devil and the pit of hell. It's talking about the sphere of what happens for those who are redeemed to experience the blessings of eternal life. Okay? But now... Now, family, we go to the next one. And the last one is financial investment. Financial investment. So when we do give, something does go out financially, okay? And that is sowing a seed. So if someone says to you, I want you to sow a seed of boom, 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 you don't have to fall apart. 
Because most of the time when you hear somebody sow a seed, y'all know y'all just shut down. Y'all like sow a seed. I just don't even like that language. But the Bible says that. So we don't, we don't get mad at the language. We get mad at the content that's being used when the language is communicated. So, 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 so today when he, he says, if you sow sparingly, that means if you sow a little bit, you're going to get a little bit. Or, or and we're going to talk about reaping now, but those are three things. The word, we sow the word, we sow in content or motive based on the fruit that we sow it based on, whether the deeds of the flesh, deeds of the spirit. Then finally, financial sowing, financial sowing, even though the big umbrella for that is Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Now, reaping. Reaping family, reaping, uh, oh, let me go back, sowing. Is sowing sparingly a sin? I can't hear y'all. Don't be scared. Now, if you sow sparingly, means don't give ex- don't 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 give in quantity or quality, both and. I would say yes, it is. And let's talk about where it comes from. That means you're stingy. Where does stinginess come from? Greed. Where does Colossians 3 say greed comes from? Idolatry. So who do you worship if you're stingy and greedy and an idolater? Yourself. In other words, I'm not going to give because I, I, I'm not going to give because them new Jordans coming out and I got to be out in front of the Nike factory all night. In other words, and so, and so it all amounts to idolatry. If you idolize you, then everything in your life exists for you. Therefore, God has a limited use for you because you're not worshiping him. You're a small sphere. He's a massive sphere. So sowing sparingly. But, but then it, let's look at what it says. It says sow sparingly and reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Now, let's look at the principle of reaping. Reaping is that spiritual harvest that is received (coughs) based on what has been invested. Based on what has been invested. Now, reaping depends on several factors based on the Bible. Okay? (coughs) First off is God's sovereignty. (laughs) God's sovereignty. God is the decider. That means... Just because you gave $10 don't mean you're going to get a hundredfold blessing. Which I, I would love for somebody to show me that in, the, in a Bible. The Bible says, be not deceived, for God is not mocked. So God is the superintendent of the process. When we look at verse 8, it says God is able to cause all grace to abound. I'm going to explain that in a minute. But that means that God decides what the harvest looks like, not you. So if somebody prophesies and tells you that you're going to receive something specific based on what you've given, they're lying. Because only God can determine the outcome or reaping of what is sown because he superintends the process because he's the one that's either blessed through giving or mocked through giving. And so, and so what God wants us to do is God wants us, what God wants us to, to expect a harvest. I, 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 I want a harvest. 
But the harvest that I want, that God wants us to want, is bigger than that. Now, does God give financially to his people? Absolutely. There are, three, there are four types of reaping that we see in the Bible. Number one, souls. <laughs> souls. Luke 10, 2 talks about that. The reaping of souls. <laughs> reaping of souls. Righteousness, James 3.18. Also, people's lives who are Christians who we've invested in because of discipleship. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 2.19. And then finally, resources, which is talked about here. So there are multiple ways to reap, but just because you sow in one way doesn't mean you're going to reap the other way. God, because he superintends the process, decides what you reap. You don't decide what you reap. Now, you can pray to reap something, but, but at the end of the day, God knows how to bring increase. Now, if I, if, if I, now, now y'all don't have to be scared if I preach a sermon called the God of increase. Say increase. See, you ain't got to be scared now. I know you've heard that before. Somebody say increase. Increase. There's nothing wrong with talking about increase, but we got to talk about biblical increase. You know what type of increase I'd like to see Epiphany Fellowship get? bunch of church plants up here church guys standing up here laying hands on guys do you know the church in little rock during the time i was in little rock invested in 10 months in me and other guys a hundred thousand dollars each not after we left while we were there uh, while we were there through 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 all of the training, the materials, the books, the resources, the conferences, the the teachers, the leaders, the elders, the deacons, uh, uh, the housing, the, the 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 salary and the benefits, and they're reaping people in tears, and I got to sit up there and tell them about what God was doing here. One guy gives a half a million dollars out of his pocket a year for that program. Every year. And I'm sitting around walking with him and talking with this dude, and he's just exuberant. Now, what is he? He's not looking for no financial increase. That, that brother paid, you know what I'm saying? But he's walking around, and we just talking, and he's just smiling. He and his wife sitting there talking to, they're like, oh, I don't know, 70, 80, sitting down, and his wife sitting down talking to church planters' wives, listening to the, the stories of what God did with the resources how God transformed lives. When they heard about the guy overseas and heard about our friend in Poland who started a seminary, and he started a seminary and planted churches from it, and people are getting saved in Poland, and they're speaking Polish and talking to each other and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And people getting saved and trusting Jesus below the Mason-Dixie line, above the Mason, in Guatemala, in Spain, all over the world, and they sitting around, they, they skinny, they frail, but they, are, they want to bust open like they're three billion pounds because they're blown away at the return that God is bringing, not to them, but to their heart's gladness because of the work of the gospel that's going out. I pray that our giving increases in the way we think about giving, that it's more than just, I want a Lexus, I want a house, I want a honey. Nah, you want to see God's gospel go throughout the earth. 
from North Philly to the world to engage people with the gospel that have never heard the name of Jesus, never heard of salvation, never seen a Bible, never seen a steeple, don't know what a robe is in remembrance of me table is, but all they know is I was once lost, but now I'm found. That's, see, that's, that's limited giving. I can't wait to pass the Doug plants. I'm going to be, I'm a run. I'm, I'm promising you. I'm promising in the spirit right now, I'm going to run every aisle in this place when we play in Camden next April. And people from Camden hang around and they plant in Camden on blocks, killing it to the glory of Jesus Christ, preaching the word of God, souls coming to Jesus Christ in the worst city of America. And you say, look, I sold into that. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that God is doing the work and I'm receiving from this because it's impacting my life. That's why they were giving in this text. They wanted to give to the church in Jerusalem because the church of Jerusalem was one of the biggest churches. And they had all of the, they had a whole bunch of preachers. They had the, the uh, they had 12 apostles. They had a bunch of deacons. They had a bunch of elders. They had a bunch of full-time. They had a bunch of widows. They had a bunch of people, and they had people that were coming to Christ and losing their property and losing their resources because of the cause of Christ. So Christians said, let's get behind them and make sure that leadership stays full-time or, 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 or they get stipend, and they're able to do what they're called to do and relieve the saints. And that's what they were doing. And they were glad. I pray that that's what we become. Not a taking church. Always excited because one millionaire threw some money at us. But we say, God, I want to develop. The reason why I'm in college to get my education is to impact the kingdom. That, that's why I'm in college. I'm in college because I want to see the glory of Christ through my profession go out and me to get near to people so that I can sow and reap in this. Matter of fact, I want to make money so that I can continue to give to the kingdom. I want to manage my money to give to the kingdom. I want to manage my money so that God's gospel can go out. I want to manage my money so that churches can be planted. I want to manage my money so that God's, so that we can get an after school program upstairs with a technology institute with people making disciples of students uh, in high school and children, walking with them, proclaiming the gospel to them, and then them growing up and developing educationally and spiritually, going off, getting PhDs, coming back to this community, and then being a missionary to their own context. I, I, I want all indigenous cats. When we start Epiphany Seminary, I want all indigenous cats, PhDs up in the class, say, I'm from 29th and Diamond. I, I grew up on this block, fam. And, and, and chopping it up ecstatically in the scriptures among a population, going back to Boo Boo and Ray Ray on the corner, shopping with them, saying, fam, if I, I didn't make it out by education, I made it out by Christ, and then he gave me my education. See, see, when we talk about men, that's what we talking about when we talk about men. We ain't talking about, no, God going to get your hair done every week. What reaping is that? That's easy. That's, that, that's easy. That's easy. Your reaping is too little. <laughs> your reaping is too little. You, I, God, do you know what God, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because y'all know I'm charismaniac. The, the, Lord, the Lord has been speaking to my soul, telling me my prayers are too small. Pray bigger, pray bigger, pray bigger, but bigger not for you, for me. Expanding my prayer life, 
expanding it. And, and so when we talk about giving finances, that's what it's all about. It's about seeing lives transformed by the renewing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do reap bountifully a lot. God does bring financial return. He does. But, it's, but, but we don't know. We're going to be like, dang, I don't know which sowing this came from. I don't even know where it came from. Thank you, God. Everybody wants the mysterious check in the mail. It may not be that. It may be you developing more and God blessing you to increase your ability to bring in resources. Not just some whoop, check came out of them or hitting the lottery. Talking about I dream about sixes and sevens and stuff and going around the corner. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so, and so we're talking about God bona fide. See, some of you all are going to leave Philly. And go back. Some of you all are going to stay here and you're going to plant and you're going to become entrepreneurs. You're going to start businesses and you're going to engage and you're going to be the resourcing team to help God's eternal ministry get done from here and beyond. You're going to join other church plants and see the Lord do, do that. But look at what he says. He says each one must give as he has made up his mind. I like that. That means it, the, 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 the idea here. Is premeditated giving. <laughs> premeditated giving. That means that means that means you don't wait till you get when you till you get your check to start thinking about giving. You begin to pray and say, God, I want you to oversee my finances. Give me clarity on where I, how, how I should give this, how much I should give, and help me to do that. It's interesting that he says, make up in your mind. And the focus here in the text is actually on volition. Volition means will. If you are a Christian, prior to being a Christian, all of our wills were in bondage to sin, Satan, and death. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. All of our wills were in bondage. When you become a Christian, God gives you a new mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. A, a, a new mind in Christ. Therefore, God takes your will out of bondage by removing the veil that Satan has put over every non-believer's face based on 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. And he removes that veil, gives you the ability to see the gospel, gives you the faith, gives you the spirit, gives you the conviction, regenerates you, and causes you to be born again. Therefore, your will is out of bondage. Now you have the ability to decide for God because God decided on you. <laughs> That's the gospel. And so, and so now God calls us to make volitional decisions to give. And so he says, he, and so, and so he says, each one must give as he has made up in his mind, not reluctantly. Don't be all scared and carrying on. Don't punk out, he says. Under, oh, he says, or under compulsion. This is funny. I remember me and my wife was at this gospel concert in Maryland, like Baltimore. It was like, man. Anyway, it was, a long, it was a while ago. But, man, we were there at the concert. You know, we, the concert was booming. There's thousands of people up in that joint. We were like, hey, we was in the church. Boom, 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 getting it in with the Lord, enjoying people, run, swinging through the aisles, running and, and jumping over people. You know, and everything. I mean, it was, a, it was a good time. Everything was fun. Then somebody get up and say, don't leave, 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 don't leave. Close them doors. Lock them. Now, y'all got to understand, I still smelt a little world in me. I had a little, little tinge of world in me. So I'm like, hey, you know, I was about to become unspiritual because you don't lock me some, in some place. How you going to lock me up? Talking about it's a free concert, then close the doors. Right? 
Then they said, all right, sister, eternal, brother, so-and-so, y'all go here to the church. Y'all know what, it, what time it is. It's time to give. We was like, what happened just now? Now, you cannot leave. I'm like, I'm like, what's happening? Y'all got to give because we got to pay these people. Now, I'm looking around like, now, I know there is some major wilding going on right now. I'm looking around like, and everybody just regular. I'm looking like, I'm, I'm, and I, I, I was not, I don't have a deep Christian background, so I was looking around like somebody need to do something or I am. <laughs> but they were, they were, they tore at our hearts, tried to pull at us. We need a thousand more dollars. We need, and they just ripping at us. It was, I didn't hear one verse. I didn't hear no Holy Ghost. Didn't hear no gospel. It was all compulsion. God doesn't want compulsive giving. God doesn't want compulsive giving. Why would you give to him compulsively? Why? If you know him. Why would you give to him compulsively? If you know him and how good he's been to you, why does someone have to put you in an arm bar to get you to give to the God of heaven? Compulsive giving is demonic. It's from hell. Anyone that uses anything outside of the gospel to get you to give is not speaking from Jesus Christ. Look at what Paul uses to motivate them in verse Eight. No, actually, end of it. He said, God loves a cheerful giver. He loves people like, I ain't talking about, oh, <laughs> woo! I ain't talking about, I ain't talking about, no, you know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about like, you laughing like the Joker and carrying on. <laughs> like, the word that means is hilarious, but it doesn't mean what we think hilarious means in English. We get the word hilarious. It means joyful. It means out of a heart of gratitude. It means out of a heart of thanksgiving. It means out of a heart of worship. It means out of a heart to see God's kingdom blow people's minds out of a passion and a desire and a love for a God that was good to you first. Cheerful. Cheerful. Not, not thinking about, oh, am I going to be able to? Oh, am I no, it's like, Lord, I want to see what you're going to be able to do with this. God loves a cheerful giver. Now somebody wondering, well, hey, if God don't bring a return on this, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. You walking out, Pastor Nyren, can I speak to you for a second? I think I got a little carried away. I'm going to need the ministry office to send me a reimbursement check. Can you write it right away? Because I don't want that check to clear. <laughs> Amen, somebody. We want to be exuberant givers, but we don't want to give out of tongue. Now, hey, don't you give a check. Talking about you believe in God for the money to come into the account. So I'm just writing. I mean, the Lord is provider. God, I pray right now. It's not in the bank. But in the mighty name of, oh. I feel you right now, God. I'm sending this right now as a, here, give it in. You know, I'm just blessed because I just gave today. I don't know where the money coming from. You are wilding. That's sin. That's, stop it. That's sin. That is sinful, yo. 
That's stealing. That's getting in trouble, having bad credit, bad stewardship, bad view of God and Christianity. Don't overdraw anymore. Amen, somebody. But then he, then, then he motivates them with the greatest motivation ever. He says, God is able. Say, God is able. God is able to make all grace abound to you. Wow. Meaning God gives to the giver by shadowing, by, by giving every stream of grace that God has to give. He unleashes on us to be givers. That's the context of this verse. He is able to make all grace. That word able there is dunamai, the word that means power. He empowers us to give. That's what the verse says. He empowered you at salvation to give. Now, based on first, I mean, Romans chapter 12, there are a unique group of people that have the gift of giving. However, their gift is supposed to motivate us to give because of how freely they give. And people with the gift of faith have the gift of faith, and they believe God by giving sacrificially, not out of what they don't have, but what they do have. And so, and, so, and so it says, and there's a reason. Grace is given for a reason. Say grace is given for a reason. It says, so that having all sufficiency. In other words, having everything you need, every need in your life met. In all things and at all times. Wow. Wow. Look at what he says after that. You may abound in every good work. This idea of every good work is missionary terminology. <laughs> it's, a mission, it's terminology that talks about God will cause great returns on the investments that his people invest into the kingdom. If you sow bountifully. In both quality and quantity. Both. Both. In the right spirit, filled with the fruit of the spirit, the carpos of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all of those different things that play a role in our shaping as Christians, as fruit, as Christians. So God is able to make us abound in every single good work. So therefore, how do we give? What, 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 do, we, what do we take away? Four things, real quick. Give generously. Verse 6. Give generously. Give generously. Number two, give prayerfully. <laughs> 7a, verse 7a. Make up in your mind. Pray about it. Pray. Don't pray. I feel a low ball today. Pray, you know what I'm saying. Generously, prayerfully, joyfully. God loves a cheerful giver. 7c. And give graciously. God calls grace to bound to you. Now give the way he calls grace to bound to you. Give in that same way. Give generously, give prayerfully, and give joyfully. Why? Because God gave to us generously in Christ. He didn't like say, I'm not going to let him sacrifice one arm. He let him sacrifice his entire body. He gave prayerfully, even though he doesn't pray. He doesn't have to pray because he's the one who would answer it anyway. So he thought about it because he's, he, he slayed his son before the foundations of the earth. So he thought about it before we existed. He made up in his mind to sacrifice Jesus. That's the gospel. Joyfully, he was pleased to crush him. He's pleased to crush him. And he gave graciously. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God that no man should boast. So God gave general, generously. He gave thoughtfully. He gave joyfully. And he gave graciously in Jesus. So 
we should be motivated not by curses, but Christ. Maybe you're here today, and you don't recognize. We don't want none of your money. We don't want you to give. If you don't believe, you're not a believer. We don't want you to get nothing. But we want you to receive everything. God has made himself available in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he's given Jesus generously to you. Generously. Jesus came that he may give his life as a ransom for many. But you got to repent of your sin. That means admit your raggedy, just like the rest of us, before Christ. Admit it. And then believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins. The sin and the curses that you deserve, Jesus Christ got on a tree for you. Big time. Took on the mess that you should have had for eternity and died on the cross for your sins and was raised up on the third day. God, in allowing the preaching of the gospel to you, did this thoughtfully. But not only that, he does it joyfully and he does it graciously. You can't work. You can't merit salvation. You can't say, well, I go to church. I was sharing the gospel with some people the other day in front of my crib. Some of they go to church and go to Bible study on Wednesday night. That don't save you. That don't save you. You do that because you're saved, not to get saved. It's not a work. So that means you've got to trust in Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Faith means you're having confidence in God, not you. Grace alone, you can't work for it. He has to give it to you. Christ alone, he's the sacrifice that you put your faith in. So if that's you today, we, we, want, we want you to embrace and trust. If you, tr if you believe what I just said based on the scriptures, what I just said, you're saved already. You're saved. You're saved. What we want you to do, we got some cards on that back table. We want you to fill those cards out. We've been so thankful for some of, so many of you guys filling those out, and our co connections team has been getting back to you. We want you to continue to do that. So if you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, now I grew up in the church, not anything else but Christ and Christ alone for salvation. I want you to fill that out, and we want to talk with you and specifically explain even more the specifics of the gospel to you. Amen? Father, we thank you that you are really the Alpha and Omega. That's not just a song. That's real. That's biblically real. And so, God, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that uh, you would help us to be a giving church, that we would be exuberant givers, excited givers, passionate givers, generous givers, that we would do it generously, prayerfully, joyfully, and graciously. We need you, God. We need your power. We need your grace. Lord, and you know where we are and what, we, what you want us to do. We believe that everything that we're working on, you've called us to do. So, God, graciously, as you've caused all grace to abound to us, help us to maximize that grace by being obedient, by deciding to give to kingdom mission through your storehouse, the church. In Jesus' name, amen.